Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again going to talk about Ubisoft or Ubisoft, depending on your preferred pronunciation of the company. I am told both are acceptable. And this particular video is a reaction of sorts, a sequel, if you will, to a video that we did last week called, effectively, No, Ubisoft Won't Own Your Soul. And this was in response to a video done by Upper Echelon Gamers, who put out a video that said Ubisoft would in fact own your soul, but admitted in that video that they weren't a lawyer and that they might be interpreting things wrong. And I did this video because a number of people asked me to respond And I looked at the terms in the contract. I said, wow, that isn't the best way to draft what they are trying to achieve. But Upper Echelon Gamers is maybe reading things a little bit wrongly. And to his credit, he communicated with me over the course of the week. And ultimately yesterday put up a video where at the top of it, he winds up talking about what he looked at with respect to these terms of service and admits that, hey, he got it a little bit wrong. And that's a good thing. Right, Nobody actually wants Ubisoft to have the rights that he thought they might have, which is to go and attach themselves to Twitch or YouTube or wherever and have ownership of those things. And he gives us credit. He gives us a shout out. I am very appreciative of that. Certainly in the internet age, it is great to see someone that is willing to go and say, hey, you know, I got that a little bit wrong. And this other person who is a lawyer who reads contracts and drafts these things said it was actually to be read this way. And so I really appreciate that. I think that's how we get to a better understanding. And I think that's how, if you want to be concerned with what companies are doing in the video game space or any other space, I think that's how you target your anger or your outrage or just your general upsetness. Not on the things that aren't true, because a company like Ubisoft or any other company can just strike those down and say, oh, no, you're reading it wrong. It's obviously that's not what we meant. But because when you do that, when you get rid of those arguments, you can focus on what is true, what is to be a concerning item. And so I wanted to come back because our video last week was so focused on essentially fixing up that error in uh, reading that we didn't really look at a bunch of other terms in this contract. And we're still not going to go through everything here because frankly, that's a little bit boring and I don't want to bore you because I think the best way to get this information out there is to be engaging and to show you exactly what is the most important items here. But I also have said to you in the past, and if you're new to virtual legality, welcome. We've had a lot of new subscribers over the past 72 hours. I always love to talk to my community and I try to answer as many as I can. We get a lot more comments than we used to when I could answer every single thing and I very much appreciate it. But I also like to do these follow-up videos where we have these question and answers. So We're going to look at the Ubisoft terms of use a little bit more in-depthly here. I've pulled up some sections, some things that we talked about last week, some things that we didn't, and we're going to do it in the context of commenter questions, right? And I put these into various categories. Hopefully, they're helpful. If you have more questions, leave them in the comments. I will try to get to as many as I think can be answered reasonably in that space. Again, I am not able to give formal legal advice on YouTube or Twitter or anywhere else. Ethics rules prohibit it. You have to sign up. You have to be a client. You have to do all these things. I have to know your specific facts and circumstances. So I can answer questions in generalities. I can talk to you about how the law works, how contracts are to be read. But please don't come and ask me your questions about your specific circumstance because I won't be able to answer them without you formally engaging me as a lawyer, which I'm happy to do, but is a different process altogether. 
So the very first question category I wanted to talk about is, do we actually need a lawyer to read these things? Isn't the terms of use that Ubisoft has provided here, aren't they bad enough if we have to go to the Hoglaw YouTube channel to understand what's happening? And I say, yeah, maybe a little bit. Here's one comment. So quick question. Should gamers all hire lawyers to make sure TOS are acceptable before playing games now? I know I wrote this a bit overly sarcastic, but honestly, the average gamer doesn't read those at all. And how many of those who do understand them? Or, I'd prefer Upper Echelon post the vid and get it wrong, thus bringing the attention of professionals like yourself, than not. That's for sure. The immediate backlash has been palpable, and it's kind of Ubisoft's own fault for not making it more obvious. In theory, these terms and conditions are supposed to be read and understood by people who have not gone to law school, which is a fair point, an excellent point, and a number of comments repeated those kinds of concepts. I got a number of DMs and emails that basically said, Rick, why are these things written so strangely in the first place? Can't we write these in plain English? And certainly moving towards plain English is something that lawyers and corporations and companies have tried to do. A lot of people want that. Certainly these kinds of contracts that are consumer facing, a number of people brought up that, hey, if you're playing a Ubisoft game, you might be a minor. You might not even be an adult that is trying to interpret all these things that you have to click through before you play it. I'm reminded of the Activision terms of service that come up before Crash Team Racing, which I think are 44 pages long which I laughed at. I think I tweeted about it if you followed me back when that game came out because it's just hilarious, right? And they're trying to cover the fact that it's an online game and is essentially software as a service or games as a service. And you need more language there to talk about server infrastructure and maintenance and the fact that you're not supposed to do DDoS attacks and things along those lines. But it's still absolutely ridiculous. If you've got a consumer-facing item and even if you're licensing it, you should be able to figure out a way to just put bullet points in place that establish what it is you're doing, even if you have more legalese that follows it up. And to some extent, that's what Ubisoft is trying here, right? If we look at the headings, they say this section defines our services, provides a summary of how Ubisoft may update these terms and informs you of the additional documents you must also read and accept prior to accessing our services. And then here's the actual language. So they've tried to put these bullet points, but as we talked about last week, by doing that, they actually hide all of this operative language. They define these terms. And a number of people came into the comments and said, hey, thanks for that. I never knew why random things were capitalized in the document. And I say, yeah, absolutely. You got to go find where they quote them. And ideally, they put them in bold. Although if you're really paying attention, you'll note that Ubisoft does this and forgets to embolden some of them. And in other places, capitalizes words that they didn't provide a definition for, which are all the hallmarks of a quick drafting process or maybe not the most... Uh, accurate legal drafting in the world. But yeah, you shouldn't need a lawyer. On the other hand, a lot of people came to me and said, why are these written this way? And I have to say, the reason they are written this way is because you are trying to cover what you can't predict. None of us can see the future, I think. And so lawyers have to go and say, what could this be read as in that future that we can't anticipate right now? So you get these long lists of things that cover everything the lawyer can think of. A lot of people came to me and said, well, why are they even covering streams and videos and things like that? And the answer to that is these are written to be future-proofed as best as possible by the lawyers that are doing the drafting. And so while you might not have Ubisoft services that provide you with an ability to stream things right now, Ubisoft may and may never develop to commercialization a plan to do a streaming platform. 
and they want to be able to cover it in a list like this one that you see in section six. And so lawyers come in and they say these kinds of things. They make these kinds of lists. They write them in this fashion because they are trying for their client to predict and to project what could possibly happen. And no, that doesn't mean that it makes it easier to read. It makes it almost impossible to read. You get these long lists. You can hear me read them sometimes in virtual legality, and I've kind of gotten used to reading a list of essentially 70 different entries separated by semicolons and hopefully making it a little bit interesting to listen to because that's what I have to do in my own head to understand what you are doing with that sentence. But it's not great for anybody. As a kind of corollary to that question that was asked, do we really need a lawyer, is a focus on this section three where people were complaining about this particular list of materials. And this is a rules of conduct section. It says, we want to offer you and other users a welcoming, safe, and respectful gaming environment, both during gameplay and at times in our services. For you and other users to feel part of such a friendly, safe, and fair community, you agree that you will not. And so these are a a list of things that are prohibited. You won't abuse folks. You won't use language we deem offensive which obviously is very broadly powerful, right? Ubisoft could just decide that as a French company, they don't want to hear the term French fries anymore, that that's just not acceptable to them. And if you say French fries, you could be banned. And in the broadest way of interpreting this contract, that's absolutely the power that they kind of reserve for themselves. Now, they would be unlikely to use it in that way. And I always talk to folks in this space about that. These companies, and it's very easy to kind of vilify them and see them as this giant corporate other, they are still in the business of selling things. That's how they make the profit. That's how they make the money for their shareholders. And so arbitrary and capricious use of these powers are not in their best interest. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You can absolutely leave comments to this video that suggest the hundred ways that it has happened. It does mean that you shouldn't read these to mean they intend to use them to the maximal amount that this language provides. And I know that's going to offend some people. They're going to enter into my comments and say, uh, I'm a corporate shill. I got a lot of shilling. No, Ubisoft isn't paying me any money. Uh, That would be an ethics violation for me to not disclose that they were. And believe it or not, the couple of bucks that advertisements on YouTube get for me does not justify me jeopardizing my ability to practice law. So no, they aren't paying me. No, I'm not lying about that. I do appreciate that you are concerned about those things. Sometimes people are, and we have a lot of videos in this space that talk about folks that play video games that are influencers that don't necessarily disclose what is required to be disclosed. But when you look at a list like this, it shouldn't be read to mean they intend to use this, but instead that they want to reserve the right to use it if they need to. They don't want to kick people off if they aren't causing them trouble, if they are otherwise profiting from their use of the service. They also ban things like a VPN, Engaging in any activity that gives an unfair advantage or, again, for broad language, causes a detriment to another player's experience. You want to read that as broadly as possible. You say, hey, if I'm really, really good at Rainbow Six Siege, doesn't that make it a worse experience for the other players? If I'm just killing them in two seconds every single time, am I not engaging in an activity that causes detriment to another player's experience? I am. Absolutely. And no, they're not going to kick you off for that. This is designed to talk about cheating, hacking, botting, boosting, or tampering, but is written too broadly, right? This could be tightened up. This isn't what I would recommend, but we shouldn't read it as an apocalyptic type document. Uh, Exploit or of any known 
glitches bugs which provide an unfair advantage over other players. That's actually a useful limitant at the end there that I highlighted in blue. You can't exploit bugs as long as they provide an unfair advantage. It doesn't really limit your ability to exploit things that you just find in, say, a single-player game. You have terms like grief, which isn't really an understood term in the law. And so you get situations like, okay, what does that even mean? It probably means what they kind of go on in that bullet point to describe, which is the inappropriate use of help services or reporting functions. You can't just report people for something that they didn't do or that doesn't violate our terms of service. And then what people really wanted me to focus on, refuse to obey the instructions of any Ubisoft representatives. So this is massively overbroad. This is way too broad. I would kick this out immediately, or I would write it as follows. You won't refuse to obey the lawful instructions of any Ubisoft representative seeking to enforce these terms of service or this rules of conduct. Because otherwise, you can absolutely read this to say that Ubisoft representative that orders you to hop on one foot and take a picture of yourself doing so can do that. Because otherwise, if you refuse to obey that instruction, you could lose your account. It's silly. They're not likely to do that. They would get so much bad publicity for even attempting something like that. That representative would be fired, all these kinds of things. It still doesn't need to be in a contract like this. So everybody that pointed out to me this particular bullet point, you are correct. This is overbroad. It's overreaching. It doesn't need to be here. I understand what they're getting at. You will listen to our people but it should be limited by the reasonable instructions, the lawful instructions related to our services, related to these terms, whatever it might be. Because after you get to the end of this, they say in the event of a violation of the rules of conduct, disciplinary action may be taken. Actual disciplinary action is dependent upon the severity and or number of instances of the offenses and shall be decided at our discretion. Said another way, as we just talked about, they aren't mandated to do anything about any of these bullets. They reserve the right, the power to themselves to determine whether something rises to the level of what they want to prohibit, what they want to punish. And so they will decide it at their discretion, which is about right. You'll see most of these kinds of things in other companies' terms of service as well. They want to be able to control their network environment. They want to be able to say, okay, if we've got a multiplayer game, we need to have a fairly long list of things that we could punish someone for because we don't know exactly what form that will take in the future. And we need to be able to hopefully make it a place that people want to come and play. Because if you get too much of a toxic element in your multiplayer game, that really does deter other folks that aren't toxic, that don't want to deal with it from playing it in the first place. And I think if we're empathetic to what the companies are dealing with here, we understand there are a lot of bad actors. There are a lot of game players that you or I wouldn't want to play with or against. And so we want to have the companies to have the power to do something about that, to make their game experience, that environment in which we play, better, right? But also note that neither the conduct nor the disciplinary actions that we list here should be considered as exhaustive. As we talk about in virtual legality a lot, this list is just a list. They are reserving the right to do anything they want related to discipline, but It'll be a lot harder if it doesn't appear on these bullet points, which is why the bullet point list is as long as it is. Now, continuing on, the main thing I wanted to focus on, the reason this is in the thumbnail, is that a lot of people said, Rick, you did this, you targeted it. Upper Echelon said they could go after Twitch and YouTube videos, and you were right to say that that isn't the case. Upper Echelon admits that as well, but it still seems pretty broad to us, right? Question. 
What if a user uploads an image that they own and uses their branding commercially as an avatar prior to these new terms even? This TOS does not seem to restrict Ubisoft's use of such material in any reasonable way. It does in fact seem that they claim right to the material for use in any purpose that they want. If that is true, then that, in my opinion, is just as bad, if not even worse, than what Upper Echelon was concerned with, and I would urge any and everyone to fight them tooth and nail on the point. Or following up, a different commenter, obviously UB needs your permission assurance so that they can reproduce your content that you give them so that other people can interact with it, but I don't see any clauses that tell you what the limits of that reproduction is. And if we go back to section six here, they're absolutely right. And a number of people asked about some of the specifics. So I just want to kind of go over them with you in case you didn't see the overall video last week. But here's what happens. They say in certain services, you may put stuff into our services. You may put photos or videos or maps or designs or names or images into our video game. And when you do that, we're going to call that user-generated content. You made that thing. It went into our game. They then divide that user-generated content into essentially three groups, although the third group is kind of an overlap of the first two. In the first group, they call it derived UGC. This is stuff that uses a pre-existing bit of Ubisoft content. I described it in the prior video as a picture of Altair from Assassin's Creed, but it doesn't have to be that. It very much can be a capture, a stream, something along those lines that exists as part of your playing one of their games that then has to get uploaded back into their game somehow, and that will be user-generated content. And if it is derived, two things happen. You hereby assign it to Ubisoft. That is, if you imagine you had a physical asset, you have an apple in your hand, maybe it's an apple of Eden, whatever it might be, you hand it over to Ubisoft. It is no longer your apple. It is Ubisoft. You have given it to them. Now, some laws are going to prohibit that in a relationship like this. They're going to say, hey, you're not their employee. They can't just mandate that you assign them their intellectual property. So they continue by saying, if you can't do that, in the event that a court of competent jurisdiction determines that some or all of your rights in the derived UGC cannot be validly transferred to us, you grant us a royalty-free, here's the important word, exclusive license to those things. Now, exclusive means exclusive to Ubisoft and excluding you. You own it, but you've given them an exclusive license to use it. And so you can't use it anymore, which is, as you might suspect, almost exactly the same as an assignment. But in certain circumstances, this license could be voided, could be overturned, and you would retain the ownership rights that you had. But the the point here is that if you are incorporating Ubisoft's own intellectual property in whatever it is that you are uploading as UGC, then Ubisoft has all rights to it. And they reserve all those rights for basically any reason, forever and ever, amen. They then license back to you the right to use derived UGC so that you can use the services. You may use it to access our services, load it on our services, share it with other users on our services. You can use it to play our games. Otherwise, none of this would work. The second category is one that people really jumped on, And that's your image. If your UGC, note the UGC usage here. So we're still talking about things you upload onto the Ubisoft servers into their video games. Reproduces your image. You acknowledge that we have a right to use your image as part of our services throughout the world in perpetuity, right? As part of our services is doing a lot of work there. A lot of people got worried that they could just take your image and do something with it. No, 
Unlike derived UGC, which is a raw assignment for any purpose, and as we will see in independent UGC, a similar kind of concept, the, the use of your image is only related to their services. They can't put it on a t-shirt. They can't do something else with it. And that's important. That's an important kind of limit on what it is that they can do. But as I've highlighted in green, the real area that is of concern here is the independent UGC. Now, first I note that, as you can see in this headline for derived UGC, they talk about pre-existing Ubisoft content with a capital C, which I told you just recently at the top of this video to look out for. And then in 6.3, they talk about pre-existing Ubisoft content with a lowercase c. And I went and I looked. There is no definition of Ubisoft content. This is the kind of thing that should be cleaned up on a new draft that should have been cleaned up before this was made public, to be frank. But we can assume that when they talk about Ubisoft content, they're talking about what they have other rights in or the rights that they claim, as we will see in section seven, that are all the materials that are incorporated in their services. This was either worked on by a number of lawyers or just wasn't looked at kind of holistically. And so you have defined terms that are only used in specific sections that really should be cross-referenced to things like content. But when we get to independent content, here is where people start to uh, get upset and I would say rightly so. You hereby grant Ubisoft and our licensees, distributors, partners, agents, representatives, a perpetual royalty-free, non-exclusive, irrevocable, transferable, in whole or in part, worldwide license to, and we'll get there, but you've given them a non-exclusive license. So that's non-exclusive. That's the difference between independent UGC and derived UGC. So it means that you can continue to use whatever you put up as long as whatever you put up didn't already use some portion of pre-existing Ubisoft content, and then they reserve the right to use it for, and then they give a big long list, which isn't terribly useful. They said they can copy, host, reproduce, represent, modify, display, distribute, publicly perform, publicly display, and here's, the, here's where the rubber hits the road, in general, otherwise exploit in whole or in part for any purpose. So that whole list is essentially a red herring. It's a shiny thing to distract you over here. What this says is that they can use what you upload to their servers, derived or independent, for any reason whatsoever. Because you either assigned it to them or they've reserved the right to a non-exclusive license to use it for any purpose. Now, in this respect, if you've got a commercial avatar that you use on all your games, you upload it to Ubisoft, Ubisoft says that is super cool and they want to sell a t-shirt with it on it, they absolutely can. They can sell a t-shirt with your avatar on it. Now, you can still sell that t-shirt with your avatar on it, so long as it didn't involve Ubisoft content directly, but they can do that. They can sell that t-shirt. And so when people come to me and they ask this question, I say, yeah, this is where you should focus your attention. This is overbroad. They don't need those rights. They do need the right to use this kind of information to display it to others, to use it in their services, but not for any purpose. That is too broad. And if we go and we look at other examples of this kind of language, I've pulled up the Minecraft end user license agreement. This is a example that I like to use because it is plain English and maybe a little bit too much so in that it's ambiguous in certain spots, but it is also what I would consider to be very consumer friendly. And so when we get to things about what you can do with the game, it says, if you make any content available on or through our game, you agree to give us permission to use, copy, modify, adapt, distribute, and publicly display that content. That's an exhaustive list. 
They can use it. They can copy it. They can modify it. They can adapt it, distribute it, and publicly display it. They are, need it to run their game. If you're going to put something in our game and we need to show it to another user, that is what we need. Now, this permission is irrevocable, they point out. We need to still run it if you decide to go away forever or if you want to take it back. And you also agree to let us permit other people to use, copy, modify, adapt, distribute, and publicly display your content. You are not giving up your ownership rights in your content. Just like the independent UGC. You aren't giving up ownership rights in your independent UGC under the Ubisoft terms. You are saying that they have a non-exclusive right to use it as well. But here in the Minecraft terms, they say, hey, please think carefully before you make any content available because it may be made public and might even be used by other people in a way you don't like. 100%. Absolutely true. And if we go and we look at something like the Twitter terms of use, which a number of people brought up to me, you get a similar kind of concept. By submitting, posting, or displaying content on or through the services, you grant us a worldwide, non-exclusive, royalty-free license to use, copy, reproduce, process, adapt, modify, publish, transmit, display, and distribute such content. And it allows them to use it to run Twitter. Now, it also allows them to just distribute it in general, right? They don't have the limiting language that we would preferably like to see in this kind of a contract, but it doesn't also give them the right to sell. It doesn't give them certain other rights that we would expect them to need if they wanted to put your avatar on a t-shirt versus the Ubisoft language that says for any purpose that gives them that t-shirt right. And I think that's worthwhile to discuss and to be concerned with. Now, the other aspect of this that came up in questions is the notion of streaming, right? A number of people flagged for me that one of the things that really bothered them, the reason that they think Upper Echelon wound up talking about this is that streams and videos were particularly called out. And couldn't Ubisoft use this kind of language to just stop a YouTube stream or stop a Twitch stream? The answer to that is yes, but not because of the reasons that you think. It's not these terms of service that do that. Although the fact that they don't grant specifically a right to stream their video games has that same effect. I did a video on this in virtual legality. I highly recommend checking out. The thumbnail is, says, are all streams infringement? And it's called formally Streaming Copyright Infringement and Fair Use that talks about the fact that video game streaming, with some exceptions, is almost always infringement. It is a derivative work based on another person's intellectual property that those copyright holders effectively allow because they think it does good marketing for them. And when that relationship stops, as is the case in the video that I'm recommending here, the situation is such that they can go and they can just strike everything that you've got when you turn on them. And that's important for people, users, consumers, followers on Twitch or YouTube to understand because it does mean that even if it's subtext, all these streamers do have a certain amount of risk if they decide to be really negative about the company that they are covering, about the games that they are covering. And so... In that space, Ubisoft's terms of use doesn't grant any streaming rights. If we go back and we look at something like Minecraft, they do. They say, within reason, you're free to do whatever you want with screenshots and videos of the game. If you upload videos of the game to a video sharing and streaming sites, you're allowed to put ads on them. Essentially, the simple rule is do not make commercial use of anything we've made unless we've specifically said it's okay, like we just did in the prior paragraph. And then I always point this out. They say, hey, if, if it says fair use is allowed under your law, we're okay with that too, which of course they don't have a choice in, but I like that they reference it anyway. But here in the Ubisoft terms of service, they don't specifically and expressly allow that, right? And they limit the license entirely to what you can do that they expressly allow. 
Except as may be expressly permitted by the terms, you may not sell or exchange anything you copy or derive from our services. As long as you comply with these terms, we grant you a personal, non-exclusive, non-transferable, limited right to use our services strictly as detailed herein. You can use it on your computer, you can play your video games, but you don't get all of these extra rights. Now, people have brought up to me, hey, they've got other kind of forum posts out there that say they're fine with streams. Certainly, to the extent people are streaming video games, they are fine with them in an overall kind of practical landscape. But from a legal landscape, they could strike you tomorrow. The fact that they gave you permission right now doesn't mean anything for tomorrow. If you turn around and say Ubisoft is the devil and I hate them in one of your Rainbow Six Siege videos, Ubisoft can say, oh, by the way, that's copyright infringement, YouTube, please issue a strike. They absolutely can. And that's part of this discussion. Maybe one thing that you would like to see, one thing you would like to advocate for as part of all this is, yeah, this independent UGC should be limited to the services. And hey, we need an express term that says we can stream. And maybe you put some rules around that. We understand that. It's your commercial property. But we need to be able to stream because that's the modern world in 2020. And again, the reason I'm doing this video is hopefully to help focus that conversation on the things that I think really should be changed and that are unusual for a brand new set of terms of service in the year 2020. Continuing on, one of the major questions I got was, can they even make these changes? Hey, Rick, I bought Assassin's Creed, and now they're telling me that I have to agree to this new end user license agreement, these new terms of use, in order to play that game on their account. Is that something they can really make me do? Yeah, it is. If we actually go and we look, yeah, I'm still not going to sign this contract. Any contract that insists you sign it or lose out on things you've already bought and played for years isn't moral or fair. And I hope you see this comment. How can they change the license like that and not offer a refund? Do previous agreements say terms of service may change? Yes, they do. Now, unfortunately, we don't have access to the older terms of service right here on their website uh, because that's just the way these kinds of things work. And unfortunately, it makes it a little bit difficult to say, but I can say with confidence they would have had this kind of language in any version of anything that they did. We reserve the right to modify these terms and other notices contained on the Ubisoft services at any time, temporarily or permanently, and entirely at our own discretion. If you do not agree to these changes, you may close your account, and we may modify our services and your access to them at any time for any reasons. Right? This is part and parcel to the discussion that I had with the Cursed Farms last year about whether or not games as a service are fraud. And I come out as a lawyer and say, no, they're not fraud, because when you purchase a license to play that game, you are purchasing that license subject to the terms that they wish to offer. And those terms are, and always has been, for really as long as software licenses have existed, we can change them in the future. And your sole recourse is to stop using whatever it is that we're providing. Which means it's not fraud, but it isn't necessarily what certain people think they are buying. You aren't buying a right to play Rainbow Six Siege. You are buying a ticket, an amusement park ticket, to go and see Rainbow Six Siege that may change in the future and that the entrance rules might change, right? If you go and you purchase a ticket to Disney World, well, they're not going to let you in right now, but let's say that they would. You are buying a ticket to go to Disney World and see the rides that they have on offer right then. You aren't going to be able to walk into Epcot and ride on Horizons or the World of Motion or the old Spaceship Earth or anything else. Or pick your favorite amusement park that has changed something in the last couple of years. You are buying a right to experience something 
as it exists at that point in time and on the rules that they set forth. And so, yeah, a lot of people don't like it. They're justified in not liking it. I don't have a problem with that. What I try to do here in virtual legality is explain what people are buying. You are buying a license. That license has certain rules attached to it. If you don't like those rules, it's important to be educated about them, about what you are agreeing to, and understand that maybe with those rules in place, the value proposition isn't there for you. Maybe if you understood that it was a ticket to something that could change, it's only worth $10 to you and not 60 And that's the education. That's the illumination. Hopefully, we can bring in the space to say, yeah, this is how they have chosen to sell it. And if you don't like that, you should make your voices heard. But that is their right to say, we have this product. We have this copyright. We've talked about it in this space. They have the exclusive rights to determine how it is licensed out. This is how we've chosen to license it out. And then each consumer individually can say, is that worth $60 to me or not? And the more people that can understand that they can change the EULAs, that they can change the services, that they can patch something to be entirely different than what it was yesterday, the more people can say, yes, maybe that is worth $60 to me, or no, maybe it isn't. That's what I want to achieve in this space. The final thing I wanted to talk about is mostly just a joke, but I did enjoy this. Ubisoft's big mistake. This comment was great. Hey, if your UGC reproduces your image, you acknowledge that we have a right to use your image as part of our services throughout the world in perpetuity. I guess this means they will not be allowed to use my UGC once we become a spaceship traveling only civilization in the future. Or will that now be considered the world? Now, unfortunately, I have to point out that it isn't all UGC. The limit to the world is only the UGC featuring your image. But I take this comment well under advisement. In fact, when we start talking about these things, one of the things that pops up now is should a limitation on territory be only the world? Legitimately, I've had phone calls that last for a half hour on this kind of topic with opposing counsel. Should it be the world? How about the solar system? Galaxy? What if you put universe? There are contracts out there that say universe. Now, does that cover multi-dimensions? I don't know. I don't think so. So if that starts coming up, if there really is a, another dimension that has time traveling backwards, that might be an issue. But these are the kinds of things that lawyers talk about when they are negotiating their contracts. So I take it well, and I think you have a good point. If and when Elon Musk uploads his image to the Ubisoft servers and then leaves for the moon or maybe Mars or further, he will be able to use that image. He will be able to say, you know what, Ubisoft, they can't use that image on the moon or Mars because I didn't license away the rights. And so I hopeful, I'm, I am hopeful that this video was uh, useful to you in understanding a little bit more about the Ubisoft terms and conditions. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, tell folks that we are here. We are covering these kinds of things all the time in this space. If you watched it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 